Welcome back to the Bearcats Above Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it, come to Donahue Accounting Services. A leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online DonahueAccountingService.com. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former Bearcat basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the Hall of Fame coach, Bob Huggins. And I'm Neil Meyer with the Front Office News. And I'm J.T. Smith, Editor-in-Chief of the Front Office News. All right, fellas, we're back for another episode. Let's jump right into it. The Bearcats are currently 11-2 after defeating Evansville 76-58. We start with you, J.T. Thoughts on the Bearcats' performance? I want to say, man, it's been so long since they played. I don't know, I forgot feel- what happened. <laughs> <laughs> since they played. I feel like if my memory holds memory holds correct, they had like an iffy first half, and then second half they were balling. Um, they played defense. First half defense was non-existent, and it was like, oh my, like it was just like, man, this is rough. And then in the second half, they showed a lot of grit, got got more deflections, caused a lot more, you know, bad shots, and got block shots and steals, and ended up blowing them out. But uh, yeah, man, it was it was one of those up and down games. Um, it seems like the Bearcats can't get right when it comes to injuries. As Aziz Bandego was out, man, and, uh, CJ Frederick was out as well. So, but but CMOS, the coaches did come back, but it was like, you know, you had CJ last game, and then boom, CJ misses the the, the next game, and then you know, it was like they played musical chairs. CMOS was out one, and then you know they said, boom, I'm back, and then CJ's out. So. Um, I mean, they looked second half, they looked great or looked a lot better, like a team that could compete in the Big 12. First half, like a team that would get three wins tops. So, we <laughs> shall we shall see, man. So, but uh, it was at the end of the day, they finished conference play at 11 and two, and I, I'll take it now. Now, JT, I, I, and I this has been a concern of mine for, for a while now. What, what about for you, your concern? The fact that we've not had a full roster this year consistent consistently for multiple games. Like, and we're we're hitting that big 12 play. How concerned are you with that? Man, it makes it is it's honestly it is concerning because you know, just think about it. You know, Aziz, you know, I think he got he played, he came back when he came back, he came back against Georgia Tech. I was in Northern Kentucky. So, but then he's been out since UD. So, um, and then that was Jamil's first game. So you never, you, th- those two big guys have had very limited minutes together. That doesn't help. Um, and I feel like Jamil's kind of turned a corner, but then Aziz has been out. So they really haven't built that chemistry, like how you want to see. The Big 12 is a gangster conference, which we've been talking about all, you know, all podcasts. And if you people check the, check the site or whatever, they know that, we know the Big 12 in basketball is no joke. And then, the, you know, nobody's really stepped up to be a go-to scorer on the wing yet. I feel like CMOS Lukosius was heading that, that direction. I feel like he played very well in the last game. But, you know, he was out the last couple of games. So that's kind of slow on that process. Um, Dan Skillings has the skills to help as well. But 
in the Big 12. I mean, by now I thought we would have like a true pecking order. Yeah. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. And they're going to have to figure it out during the Big 12. And the Big 12 is a dangerous place to figure that out if it goes wrong. So um, it's, it's concerning. They got the talent. It just depends on it's going to have to come together fast. And hopefully they can, you know, escape the, the injury bug too, a little bit less. Um, you know, I don't know how long CJ Frederick's going to be out. Sounds like Aziz Bandego may have a chance to play against BYU. And then I don't think anybody else, knock on wood, is out. So they may be the closest they've been to full strength since UD. So that will help. But it's just that with them not having a lot of minutes together, it's going to be a lot of, I think, West will have to kind of tighten up the rotation. Like, But at the same time, injuries will, you know, play a factor in that. And um, it's going to be interesting because the Big 12 – is is a, is a battle every night, and their first six games are are real, are very real. It's a lot easier to figure things out when you're playing Merrimack, Stetson, and Evansville first BYU and Baylor, but it's the reality of it. They just gonna yeah. have to figure it out during during conference play. So, Neil, your thoughts? Yeah, as JT mentioned, uh, the first half was very very sloppy, in my opinion. I mean. Evansville finished the half on, I believe it was an 8-0 run, 9-0 run, and took a 40-32 to lead into the half. And for those who were there at Fifth Third Arena, the Boobirds came out heading into the halftime. And John Newman and the coach, uh, Wes Miller, actually spoke about it. They were like, we heard it, but we, we don't mind it because we know that's how much the fan base cares about this program winning and all that. So, they were happy with how they responded there in the second half. I believe they outscored Evansville 44 to 18 in the second half. So they responded very well, but the first half was definitely very sketchy to say the least, uh, because it was just a back and forth battle. It was a lot closer than it needed to. And then Evansville went on a big run to end the half and they did so without their two top leading scorers as Ben home Riches and Chuck Bailey were who combined for 30 points a game were not available for the aces. So Evansville is hanging around without two of their best players. So obviously you see that coming in and you're like, Oh, that's not a pretty sight going into halftime down by eight. But overall I was, I was pleased with how they responded. I was really pleased with CMOS Lukosius's performance. And it was great to see him back after missing the Stetson game due to the shoulder injury. He comes back. And I mean, you could see when he, was getting ready to shoot that ball, whether it was in his hands for less than two seconds at times. As soon as he squared his feet, you could kind of get a gathering and an early feeling of this ball was going in uh, just off the first one he made. So it was good to see Seamoss get going, get back in a groove. Obviously, he's been a guy, as we talk about the injuries, he's been a guy that's been nonstop plagued by a minor injury left and right. So it's hard for him to get his foot feeding under himself. So Overall, it's great to see him back and healthy. Finished with 16 points on five and nine shooting. All 15 of them came from behind the arc, so that is a great sign. Uh, especially with CJ Frederick out and the timetable for his injury is still to be determined. So overall, I was really proud of Simas Lukosius's performance. But I will say the performance I was most pleased with was John Newman's performance on the offensive side of the ball. Everybody knows what kind of player John Newman is on the defensive aspect of things. But you could sense early in the first half when he went on that 5-0 run 
early in the first half, it was like, okay, John, John's getting ready to go off. And that was something that hasn't been done this season yet. We know what he's capable of on the defensive end, as we talk about. But he finished with 16 points as well, season high for him. So it was on six of eight shooting. So it was good to see him have the best offensive game of his uh, of the season, especially with a guy like C.J. Frederick out. So I was really pleased with how those two and Newman and Lukosius played alongside and off of each other. But if they can get a perform keep getting that performance from John Newman on the offensive end, as well as the defensive end, I think they'll be in great hands. But overall, the injury concerns, as JT mentioned, still worrisome heading into Big 12 play, obviously, with C.J. Frederick still completely shut down. It sounds like Aziz Bandego has been cleared to return. He practiced uh, on Monday, Wes Miller said, and it was a good sign. Uh, but Wes Miller said he was yet to finish a practice this week when we talked to him at his weekly press conference on Tuesday. So it seemed, but he did say it was trending in the right direction. So that's a good sign because now you get your, your rim presence back there. And in the Big 12 play, we all kind of know the Big 12 gauntlet of the front courts there. You're going to need Aziz Bandego on the court as much as possible. So that's a good sign heading into BYU. But overall, I, w- I was pleased with how the Bearcats responded versus Evansville there in the second half. Well, you know, you mentioned um, CMOS, and as we go into Big 12 play, guys like CMOS are really going to have to step up. So I'm glad to see him play better. John Newman is that veteran calming effect that this team needs. Those two guys need to play at a high level um, going into going into BYU. So, um, and, and to what you were saying, Neil, <clears throat> you know, that first half was shaky. Uh, we were down eight. And I'm watching the game with my old college roommate, and we're watching. He's like, "Man, what is going on?" And he goes, "They're going to lose this basketball game." But it was like you said, you know, you've got to find when this Bearcat basketball team has dealt with so much adversity from a, a health standpoint that you've got to find small victories within these games. And so, to me, that small victory was the 26 point second half. Uh, you know, point difference. You know, we win the second half by 26 points. And I thought, you know, that's that's a victory within itself. Uh, we crushed them on the boards. Uh, we didn't win the turnover battle. I think they were uh, – I think we had one more turnover than they did. Um, but it, it's just – it's just been tough for this basketball team to, to find that rhythm. And I, I kind of feel for the guys because, you know, like, like JT throughout – you know, the, the beginning part of the season, uh, JT, or I'm sorry, uh, Jamil and Aziz, I don't know that they got full practice reps with the, with the regular guys. Right. So I, you know, I don't know if they got, you know, like the, you know, your John Newman's, you know, CMOS and Vic, I don't know if they're practicing, you know, if if they're on scout team or if they're on, and that, that makes that tough. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's been a lot. And that's I think that's I was talking to a Bearcat fan the other day in the gym and we were talking about that. And he was asking, like, how how difficult is that? I'm like, man, when you don't have a full roster practicing and going through stuff, it just makes it so tough. And I I hate to keep bringing this up and up, but it's 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 a real thing. And they're just going to have to, you know, during the. I'd say first three to five conference games, they're just going to have to figure out a lot as they, as they roll through this. Um, 
it's going to be interesting. And we're we're <laughs> we're getting ready to talk about uh, about BYU. So let's let, let's jump into that. The Bearcats take on number twelve BYU tomorrow at ten p.m. in Utah. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. Let's jump into the big old segment sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. In this segment, we cover players to watch and key matchups. JT, who should we look out for from the Bearcats? Man, I'm gonna go Seamus Lukosius. Uh, great segue <laughs> yeah for sure had to um i feel like he, he's the guy that's i mean road games are road games no matter what but number 12 byu is a hell of a first road game <laughs> um but i feel like you know cmos is gonna have to be a guy that's, be, that's gonna have to be assertive and he's gonna have to look for his shot as well as create for others and if he can knock a few threes down and up Maybe not get always to the hole, but just get that mid-range rolling too, because he has that that floater, that that mid-range jumper as well. Get that to cooking. That I hope kind of ease ease some of the pain and um, create. I think like looking for 15, 15 points, about three assists, four rebounds, that type of game. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's a kind of solid game, and just one of those ones. I, I want him to be like where he hits a couple early. So then it kind of helps, you know, settle the, settle the, the, the troops down on the road. It's going to be a hostile environment. I just want to see how he, how he attacks it. I want to see if he attacks like the Dayton game, but kind of gets into it a little bit earlier. You know, I, I wonder if, and I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder if CMOS is the type of kid that when Coach Miller says, you know, we got CJ out, um, CMOS, you need to go. You need, yeah. to, you need to go and play. Because – when you got a full roster, I don't think that conversation needs to happen necessarily because you got so many weapons. But now you got a guy like CJ out. You need somebody to step up, and it's probably CMOS. So Wes is like, CMOS, you got it. And I think he's the type of kid that will respond. Yeah. You agree with yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it, he, we need the Bearcats need him to because if he, if he does, I think that's going to help because – I mean, not to jump the gun. I mean, big. I mean, BYU is going to be a hell of a test for the Bearcats. Ain't on the road. Um, it's nothing that's going to be. It's not going to be easy, no matter what. So, if CMOS comes out there and balls out, I mean, it's going to make it make the Bearcats have a chance for upset. And if he balls out, it's going to take more than fifteen. Um, or if he doesn't, if he's around 15, he's gonna take a lot of assists. He's going to, have to create for a lot of people, even if it's on the hockey side where he makes the he starts it starts it up. But I feel like he's going to, have to be very aggressive. Um, if the Bearcats are gonna gonna have a chance in this game. Neil, who do we need to watch out for? From Evansville. You mean BYU? Oh, uh, BYU. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares about Evansville. No, nah, no. Nah. I'm sorry, BYU. He's on vacation. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still hey, I'm still on New Year's Eve break. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at BYU and I said Evansville. Good catch, good catch. My bad. But for BYU, first off, let's just talk about the season they're having. This is a BYU team that myself included voted them to finish 13th in the preseason polls, and now they're ranked number 12th in the country. So clearly I was wrong on that. So I'll get that out of the way. But Overall, this is a, a dangerous BYU team, and I think everybody knows that. They have six players who have scored in double digits on the season so far, but they are currently fifth in the country in scoring offense, averaging nearly 91 points per game. This is a team that does not turn the ball over. 
hardly at all. They lead the country in assist to turnover ratio at a 2.3 average assist to turnover percentage. They average nearly 23 assists per game, so they take care of the ball really well. They're fifth in the country in true field goal per shooting, field goal shooting at nearly 60%. So they're shooting 50% from the field, nearly 40% from behind the arc. This is a team that can just light it up on all all different aspects. Their only loss of the season comes in a 73 to 69 loss to Utah earlier in the season in the non-conference slate. But for BYU, it starts with Jackson Robinson and it's an Jackson Robinson is an interesting player because he actually doesn't start for the Cougars, but he leads the team in scoring and that was because Mark Pope actually made the decision to start bringing him off the bench and he's embraced it, but he's still putting up tremendous numbers. He's averaging 16 points per game on nearly 50% shooting and shooting a 42% clip from behind the arc. So this is a guy who's really effective in all aspects of the game. Well, and and Neil, if you remember um, back in the day, Tony Bobbitt was like that. You know, Tony Bobbitt was one of, you know, the leading scorers in the Bearcat team, and he came off the bench. And I asked him about that one time, and he said he just had a better comfort level coming off the bench. He could kind of watch the flow of the game, and he could pick and choose his spots when he got in. He just felt more relaxed. So that might be the case for this young man. Yeah, and then on BYU, Fusenye Traore is making oh. set to make him oh, return. Yeah. Is hey, it's a few on here, return. too. <laughs> and we started yeah. early. Man, jumping the gun over here. His return after missing the last seven games due to a hamstring injury. After watching Mark Pope's press conference today, he did say that he is about 100% and he is knocking on the door to be in full strength. So it sounds like BYU is very close to full strength as they've been dealing with some injuries as well. So it sounds like they're getting him back for Saturday's matchup. And he, before the hamstring injury, he was averaging nearly 11 points and six rebounds per game. Currently leads the team in rebounds behind Noah Waterman. And Noah Waterman has played half as many or just double as many games as Fusenye Traore has played. Mm. So, but this is a team where if you look down the roster, they have four or five different guys shooting above 43% from the field. So, and that includes Jackson Robinson, Noah Waterman, Fusenye Traore. They, they can light it up on all different levels. And Wes Miller even mentioned that earlier this week. He, he gave a lot of credit where he was due. He, he said literally and statistically BYU is the best three point shooting team in the country. And all stats point to that. So they're shooting nearly 40% from behind the arc. That's something you just can't deny, that they're very good at knocking down the three ball. So you got to gotta find a way to stop that on Saturday in Provo. But overall, this BYU team is very dangerous. But it, it's going to be a gauntlet. They know that Marriott, the Marriott Center is not an easy place to play. And Wes Miller even mentioned that, like said it's one of the most underrated venues in all of college basketball. And then you have to think you're going out across two time zones through elevation. We, we saw the outcome of how that went when the NIT game came around, but I wonder if they, they changed some things up in terms of preparation this time around, knowing it's a later tip off. versus BYU. All right. Let's save some of that for keys to the game. 
And you know what? Yeah. You know, you save some of that for keys to the game. Now, you know, you know what we got to jump into, and, you, and we and you're trying to avoid this. We got we got to get this in. Get the name game in. The name game. I just love that song. One of the favorite moments in this podcast. Now, I've only got two for you, and you've done one of them, but we're going to do it again. I don't care. Number four. Number four is I. Atiki Ali Atiki. You <laughs> <laughs> doubled up on that. You got the same name? <laughs> you give it to us again. It is Atiki Ali Atiki. Man. So, cuz is really Atiki Atiki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. This is this crazy. Is terrible. We're like, this is, these are. People's names, man. This is terrible. Hey, they doubled them up, though, man. That's rough. <laughs> All right. Number 45. Fusenye Traori. That's your that's your guy right there. That's your guy right there, yeah, yeah. That's your guy. That's all I got. I don't see any other names that uh and this that, one was pretty easy compared this, to some in the past. And I honestly of all the teams, I thought BYU was gonna have some wild names. It's true. Right, true. But who? Yeah. What team was it that we had? Man, they had they had a ton they of. They had some flames. It was crazy. <laughs> Even the coaches were wild. I think it was Howard, wasn't it? No, no, nah, it wasn't Howard. It was Howard like, had a couple, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was kind of tame for real. Yeah, yeah. Well, bet you're lucky, Neil. This time, <laughs> only two. <laughs> oh, I love that. The big O segment is sponsored by Smart Dog Solutions. All right, my player to watch is Victor Lockin. And I'm, and I'm going to tell you why. So I feel like this is the type of game where, you know, Vic can really excel. Um, and I'd like to see him score from all three levels. Two threes, gets that mid-range. He's got that little quick floater, score around the basket. But I – I think this could be that big breakout game for Vic. And, and Vic knows how important this BYU game is. He fully understands that, him being around for, you know, last couple of years. He's been on the road, played in big games. Um, and so I, I, I'd like to see him not only score at a high level, but also rebound at a high level. And as we talk about this game, a lot of folks don't think we have a chance to win this. And I think in order for us to win, a guy like Victor Locken has to go off. A guy like CMOS, who you mentioned, JT, have to go off. And, Neil, you talked about John Newman. I think those three guys are going to be key for this basketball team to, to win. Um, Neil, I, I, I don't know your thoughts, but, um, you know, I, I am concerned – about this game and you mentioned some of those things and, and we're, we're going to get into that in the keys of the game here in the in the next uh the next segment but you know there are some things i'm concerned in this game neil that i, I want to get your thoughts in the next segment about okay sounds good sounds good the big o segment is sponsored by smart dog solutions we have a business that needs better inventory control production management or improved accounting control outgrown quickbooks or can't afford netsuite Give loyal Bearcat grads Doug and Kathy Jacobs at Smart Dog Solutions a call. They have been in your position and would love to help you solve your problems. You can contact them at 
513-739-9473 or online smartdog-solutions.com. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. Now, the Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. This is where we cover the keys to the game. JT, what do the Bearcats need to do to win? Man, it's a lot. So they got to defend the three. <laughs> it's a lot. A lot. They got to defend the three for one. And with them shooting, I mean, I feel like they, don't they shoot like at a low 40% clip yeah. pretty much for the season? So, all right, they're at home. So you got to, I mean, some, don't be unrealistic right now. So, like, somebody, oh, got to keep them under at 25% or under or something. On a, on a road, I don't know about that. So I think, like, they shoot 41, 42% from three. You can keep them at 35, between 33 and 35. That'll help. You know what I mean? Because you got more misses because they're going to shoot that thing. Um, they also, they got a lot of size. They got some decent size, too. And I felt like from what I've seen, and I think they can shoot as well. So that's going to be interesting to see if they can get our bigs from under the basket or if, if – uh, if West is going to zone them up or, you know what I mean? We've seen some zone, but very, I mean, out of all our games, the Bearcats probably ran zone 10 plays, <laughs> maybe, yeah. but who knows? Maybe they throw out a zone, throw out a wrinkle, you know, against the um, against BYU. Then on offense, I feel like they have to get shots they want, and that sounds super generic, right? But I feel like they can't shoot themselves out the game because if BYU hits a couple of threes, you can't go try to hunt a three, two. And if you don't make it and they come down and, and hit once a six point swing, you don't want that to happen. So I think they got to try to um, get them in foul trouble, um, penetrate, you know, kick, you know, penetrate, get, to, get in the paint post, um, try to get the easy shots and then kind of control the crowd. Cause I think that crowd is going to get a little crazy and so I think they have to control the three-point line, guard the three-point line very well, don't foul on the three-point line, and then get good shots and make good shots. They can't start off slow where they're, like, shooting two for 15 or something like that. I think they got to be shooting around a 40 45% thing as soon as the game starts so then they can keep close and then keep the, the crowd on eat on edge for a little bit. Hey JT, we we talk about crowds a bunch. You know, you you uh you've been pretty hard on the <laughs> East East crowd. But uh, what, what type of crowd do you think BYU have? Because this is the first time I think the Bearcats have played, you know, at BYU. To my knowledge, have they played them in the past at BYU? Nah, only football. That I know. I mean, if it BYU. was, it's been a long time ago. It's also BYU's first home game in the Big Twelve Conference. So boom, there you go. What? So your thoughts on the crowd, JT? Man, it's about to be crazy, and it's not going to be what uh, what they're used to. The people that have been here, it's not going to be what they're used to on the road. You know what I mean? Except Xavier, okay, Houston, maybe. I feel like Houston, even though they're good, their crowds aren't as rowdy. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, even though they're a top fifteen team on a consistent basis, but I mean the Big Twelve. I mean the big BYU is new to to the conference, but I've watched a few BYU games. Even in the past, they're 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 like uh, almost I don't know if they're Cameron Crazy's level, but they they're kind of like where they get it they get into it for sure. So it's gonna be it's not gonna be where they're walking into ECU and it's ten people there plus the janitor and people cleaning up and taking the tickets. 
Those days are over with. So you go in on easy. It's such an easy target. Devin Temple, it's too easy. It's too easy. Because like if you got you watch the games, it's crazy. Like you watch the ECU game now, it's all you see is the referees, the players. And then the Temple was a prime example of that tonight versus Memphis. I mean, it looked like there was only like 20 people in the crowd. Exactly. So we don't gotta use that. So because Memphis barely won because they probably had to. Man, it's, it's a lot of self. It's almost like playing pickup basketball. And you're like, oh, shoot, this really counts. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's not going to be the case for the Bearcats. They have to legit lock in. It's going to be probably the craziest. I mean, they were in as, as Xavier. Xavier is always a hell of a place to play at, even though I despise Xavier with all my might. But at the same time, we're being real about it. It's going to be you're farther away from home, and it's going to be crazy probably – up to the level or close to the level of a Xavier game. Yep. And listen, a lot of people that I have talked to are not giving this Bearcat basketball team a chance to win this game. So my question for you, Neil, is what do the Bearcats need to do to win? Like, I'm not even going to say win big because this doesn't seem like a game they'll, they'll win big, but just win when all these people think Bearcats have no chance. Yeah, and for them to win – Obviously, I was writing about it earlier, according to the ESPN matchup predictor, they have this game as an 82.82% favorite for BYU. So for them to win right now, I think they have to find a way to create some turnovers. They have to find that opportunity to get BYU uncomfortable. This is where a guy like John Newman can come in there. Day-Day Thomas can really affect some things. If those two guys can get active, get some deflections early, cause some turnovers, and then they can push it and get out to running and play their game at their tempo. I think if you can create some turnovers and you can capitalize on them, I think that's a huge, huge opportunity. But they're, they're going to have to fight fight like heck on the glass because coming into this one, BYU is uh, third in the country in rebounding, and we are sitting at sixth in the country in rebounding. So this is two teams that are very physical on the glass, but obviously – if Aziz Bandego isn't able to go on Saturday, you lose a, a key piece to that one. So if Aziz is able to go, that that number look is looking real good in terms of the rebounding category. But you have to find a way to – you don't have to necessarily win the battle of the glass, but you got to keep it close. You can't let them dominate the offensive boards for easy putbacks and stuff like that. But if they win the, if they win the battle of the glass, that's even better. But if you can win that – just play smart. As JT mentioned, you can't come down here and have a cold shooting shooting start. So they can come out, they can knock some shots down early, find their groove, force a couple of turnovers, and just be active on the rebounding. Be active on the glass. I think if you do all three of those, you can come out of here and win. And I know a lot of people are counting the Bearcats out in this one just due to the road environment, the first Big 12 game, BYU being ranked number 12 in the country. But realistically – I like how the Bearcats match up versus BYU. And that was something Mark Pope even talked about in his press conference today when I was watching, that he really knows how physical this Bearcats team is, and they know they have the great the size in the front court. They're very lengthy. They love to get after it, attack the glass, and they can score too. Now, whether it's going to be a guy like CJ, uh, well, CJ Fredericks out, Seamus Lukosha scoring, Dan Skilling scoring, John Newman Day-Day Thomas, who's going to be that guy to score and take some pressure off the front court is going to be the question. But for them to win, I think it starts right there. 
got to cause some early turnovers, get some deflections, and then win on the battle of glass. If they can do that, I think they're set pretty well to be able to compete. And I I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. I know people are thinking, oh, it's going to be a 10 to 12 point blowout. I I think this game is going to be held to single digits and it's going to be a five to six point game, if anything. The Kenyon segment is sponsored by Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota. All right. So um, I, I, and I've been kind of back and forth on this. So I'm thinking I'm sitting in, in Wes Miller's seat. Well, he doesn't sit. He stands. But I'm in Wes Miller's shoes. That's probably a better way to say it. Um, do I play a lot of guys this game? JT, help me out with this. Do I play a lot of guys this game? Or do I keep the bench short? Because, and, and, and let me tell you why I've been kind of back and forth in this. I, I can see you have an opinion on this, JT. But um, I'm thinking, okay, you've got the elevation, the travel. You know, you might have guys get tired pretty quickly. So do you keep a lot of guys fresh and then shorten up that bench later in the game? Or do you just rock out early and keep it short? I I, I don't know. What do you think, JT? That's a good question, man. Um, The elevation kind of is making me waver because at first I'm saying shorten that shorten a bench, right? So everybody catches a little bit of better flow, more minutes. But up there – they might have to – he might have to keep it, you know, stretch to the 9-10 um, rule, especially if Aziz is playing. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's going to be interesting that 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 altitude is going to be different. So they might have to. But I think maybe he starts off early with more people and then sees how people are playing and then try to tighten up in the second half maybe. Yeah, you know, see if anybody catches or somebody's playing pretty good and kind of rock out like that, maybe. Um, that's all I got. What What do you think on this one? Because I like, I think the altitude you might have to stretch it out. Like, I think maybe against Texas, you kind of rein it back in, but I don't want to jump, you know, to um, jump games or whatnot. But I just think the altitude is as a it's going to be a monster, and maybe or do you kind of just you have a plan and then maybe you vary from it because you got enough people to to be able to play a couple minutes here and there yeah i i've I've been back and forth on this you know i was thinking like okay aziz has been hurt so if he does play his wind's not totally there yeah you know jamil's got his wind um i think better yeah i don't know if he's you know fully 100 there then you look at a guy like you know josh reed he hasn't played a tremendous amount so his wind like that type of game shaped wind is, is yeah. not there yet. So there, there, there are multiple guys. So do you just kind of run them? My thought earlier, what I was thinking earlier was you just run a lot of guys in and out and then hope in the second half, you can kind of narrow it down and say, okay, these are the guys that are playing. We're just going to rock out with these guys. Yeah. Um, but you made a good point. You risk, if you keep that bench short early, you're at least building that continuity and that flow. Yeah. You know, early but it's just one of the things as a coach you so like like let's say that let's say west goes and says i'm gonna keep my bench short and i'm gonna rock with six seven guys you know for the majority of the game well what if you get a little later on you get foul trouble you get guys that get tired now you got to play guys that haven't played as much early yeah and now they're not for you know what i mean it's true yeah it's gonna be interesting because he probably what in a perfect world you probably want to play eight yes 
in a perfect world. I agree with that. Perfect world. So you start you take starting five, three bench. So I'll say, all right, what day day, CMOS, CMOS, Newman. Um, I don't know if he goes two bigs tomorrow. I mean, you know, or not. Does he go Vic and Jamil? Or does he go let another wing get in there to start off or not? I'm not 100% sure. So he's been mainly going two bigs for the most part. So maybe you do that. And then, you know, Jizzle, uh, what Jizzle, Dan, and Aziz, if Aziz plays, those are the three. If they went eight, does that does that sound feasible? And then yeah. um but then if he goes if he stretches out, I feel like honestly this game might be more of a, a, a Josh Reed game more than an Odeo Guama game. Mm-hmm. Because Josh can shoot. And it's not a slight to slight to um Odie. I think um he has the height to be able to affect those three point shooters too. Because those guys got they got some they got a lot of people that can shoot on that court. And I feel like re- rebounds well for his size and his position. He does. So I think like even if it's a few minutes, say if he plays four to seven minutes, I feel like he still can make an impact without really scoring. But if his jumper's on or his confidence is rolling, he's a guy that can get you a five to eight points that you really not counting on too. And that's the thing with Josh Reed. I think he may not get a lot of minutes, but when he does get his minutes, they're valuable minutes. Yeah. I think he's I think he's efficient in those yep, minutes. For sure. He's solid. Like he's super solid. His energy. I feel like he when he gets in there, he just goes hard. And I feel like his confidence is getting better too. Just like he's shooting better. I feel like the last two games he's shot better shots. Um, you saw the energy on defense. I feel like he had four fouls, but it was because of all hustle. Like he was just going hard. So I feel like the way he's been playing is gonna make it hard for uh West not to look at him a few times, like uh, maybe I do need to put him in there. So I think he's the guy. Like if I, I mean, I'm not West, of course, I'm not the one sitting in the seat, but I think I would put him in over Odie in this game. I think he may need what Josh can bring if somebody's off, or if, you know, he can catch a little spark and be a guy that's not really going to be on a scouting report that can can be a, make a quick that's little a difference. Point. That's a good point. They're not going to really have Josh scouted. Yeah, it's, it's not that you're gonna be like, oh, we need to cut off X, Y, Z on Josh Reed. So, yeah, right, you know what I'm saying? Just being honest. So, like, he yeah, goes yeah. out there and he hits two, three threes. Everybody's gonna be like, who is this dude? And then yep. you know he can sit back on the bench. <laughs> yep, no question. <laughs> Neil, Neil, your thoughts? Yeah. So for a guy to be impactful, as JT mentioned, I I'm right there with him on Josh Reed because the way he played versus Evansville, I think. Josh Reed set the tone versus Evansville in the second half, late in the first half. Yeah. Thought his energy there set the tone. And Wes Miller even said that in the post-game press conference following following Evansville. They they were considering starting Josh Reed there to start the second half. Yeah. But overall, if I definitely would say he would find his way to get some minutes, especially after the performance he had. I mean, he came down, he did a Thomas slash the slash the zone and hit the skip pass to read in the corner, buries the three, and then comes down and gets a huge defensive stand the very next possession that leads to a run out. That was the confidence booster you needed for Josh Reed. And to see that was huge. But out there in uh, Utah, the elevation's no joke. And Wes Miller even talked about it in his press conference that he was going to have 
Mike Rayfeld prepare these guys as best as possible. And he even said, he goes, when you have Mike Rayfeld as your strength and conditioning coach, you don't have to worry about all that because you know he's going to have you prepared. And everyone who knows Coach Rayfeld, like all of us do, the Monster Factory is legit and he knows what he's doing. So he's, I got a good feeling he's going to have these boys prepared for the elevation on Saturday. But so what do you do? Do you run? Do you run eight? You just rock out with with eight the entire game. Do you run a lot more guys in? Mm. Go that group at the end of the game. What what would you do? I I would go with the suggestion JT had early in the first half. You kind of rotate those eight or nine guys, even if you go ten. If you just rotate in, stay everybody healthy because you got to remember it is a late night tip off. It's a ten o'clock tip off for us at least. 8 o'clock out there. So I would think they would go – I'm going to say they go at least 9 in the first half, and then they trim it down in the second half and really see what what works, depending on the outcome, of course. If it's a close game, they're going to, they're going to try to stick with what's working. But if they got to find something to switch up, I definitely see that rotation getting slimmer. Uh, as JT mentioned, either with a guy like Odio Guama's ability to come in there and give you some hustle – points, grab a couple of rebounds, and go that aspect of things. I mean, Odia Guam only played five minutes versus Evansville. So you can kind of see, like, his role has definitely been kind of cut a little bit more. But you know what kind of player you're getting in Odie, a big energy guy. And being honest, heading into BYU, you're going to need that energy somewhere. Whether it's on the bench, on the court, you're going to need a guy like Odia Guama. Odie so. always stays ready. He always stays mm-hmm. ready. He, I would say this about Odie and Josh Reed. You've got to give them a lot of credit for having positive attitudes and always being ready and not pouting, which it's, you know, it's easy in 2020 or in 2024 now. So 2024, mm-hmm. it's easy. I was about to say 2023. <laughs> but it's, it's easy as a player to put your head down and pout and say, I'm getting in the transfer portal. And yeah. Right? And obviously yeah. – Odie can't get in the portal now. This is it for him. But Josh could. But but they haven't had bad attitudes. I mean, you guys don't feel like they have, right? I mean, they've now. They've- and me, JT can tell you no. for all the listeners immediately after the game for the last what JT maybe three weeks or so. Immediately yeah. after the press conferences, when we go out and do our blog, who is out there getting extra shots up by himself with the GA? Josh, Josh Reed. Yep. So putting in extra work behind the scenes as well, and it's starting to pay off, and hopefully things keep trending in the right direction for him. But in terms of Saturday, I think they go probably nine-man rotation, Meech. Okay. Now now imagine this, and I, I don't like normally doing this. I very rarely do this. But just so Bearcat fans can get their arms around what we could be looking at later in the season, imagine if this Bearcat basketball team – had that full healthy roster a little bit earlier, and we were, gosh, what would we be thirteen and zero, right? If we were undefeated, we'd be thirteen and zero. Yeah. Imagine being thirteen and zero, having a full roster, some continuity, going into BYU. Think about how crazy that game would be. Like, Man. and I don't mean downplay, and I, I don't like to play that, that be that person that plays that what if, what if game. But yeah. I was thinking about that earlier today, man. That's the potential of this basketball team. For sure, man. It, it, it makes you think. That's why you're like, man, that, I, I want to see how they play tomorrow just to see it's the first Big 12 game. Hell of a hell of a 
task. I want to see how they gel. Because this game, how you play this game is, would be detriment, not detrimental, but it'll be real pivotal um, on how they're going to handle other games. So um, there's going to be a lot of tough environments. I know I sound like a broken record on that, but it's going to be a lot of tough environments. There's not many gimme wins in the Big 12, honestly. If um, any at this point. Yeah, it's crazy. So you got to get in where you fit in and you almost so you got to take, you know what I mean? You got to be a little little selfish. And you got to take stuff. So we'll see, you know, how they adapt, man. And, and it, like you said, like like we said earlier, you know, you know, a lot of roles haven't been etched out. That's the thing that sucks because, you know, with the people, you know, Jamil and Aziz not getting being able to be you know, full participants from the beginning. You know, it's a few games that were st- stolen from them. We talked about this. Like, that's one thing I, I said that they wouldn't let Jamil in until December. What do they do? Not let him in until December. Yep, you said that. I said that in you know October. You know what I mean? Early November. I knew they were gonna. I knew they were gonna play with his time, and then you could tell. And then they I, they they let Aziz. They let Aziz in first. I thought that they would they would do that. Um, I didn't know when that would come. But then um, that didn't help. And then, you know, those the new pieces, not being able to play with everybody else on a consistent basis, slow down the process, man. I mean, even if you think about it, you know, thank God that, you know, you know CMOS is OK. But, you know, like he was starting to catch a little flow. Boom, he gets hit by a car. Crazy. Crazy. Right. And I'm glad he's OK. He's like, so now you kind of, you know, talk about it and not talk about it in fright, which is still a hell of a situation that happened. You know, I mean, it's like every day people don't, I mean, don't get hit by cars every day, you know. Especially when the coaching staff just saw the the video for the first time just yeah. a couple weeks ago and after yeah. a month of it and how they responded, it sounded like it was a pretty, pretty serious, vicious car wreck because Wes yeah. Miller called it a violent wreck. That's so, a big kid, man. That's a big kid. So, like, big young man. So, he's six, seven, six, eight, every bit of 220. 225 might be 230 so it's like if that if you're on the if you're on the hood or the if you're on the hood of the car the car was going fast enough you went if you hit the window you know it was going at solid speed and he just it was blessed as just minor stuff that happened to him um that didn't help the process right he comes back for xavier doesn't have a great game i mean it's hard to fault the young man because shoot he just got hit by a car yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's not a thing. It's not like oh, I just played bad. I didn't practice real good this week. I just got hit by a car. You know what I'm saying? Like it's crazy. Like so, it's just been. A, it's a lot of stuff that's not helped the process. But I think you know Wes has juggled it very well, and people have to give him some grace with that. It's just that it's going to be tough. People are going to be. Um, you know how fans are in general. They. In the Big 12 is going to be tough because if they don't play well early, people are going to be like, you know, pitchforks and all that type of stuff. And it's like you got to give them some time. And hopefully somebody just grabs the, the you know, the bull by, by his horns and just like speeds this process up. It's going to take like two or three people kind of to just be like, hey, I'm about to be this guy and just follow my lead. I know John Newman on the defensive end is going to be super important. Um, he has to do that. I think Dan has to do that at least defensively as well to be, give John some backup, to, um, be able to play off somebody for a little bit as well. And then, you know, Simas has to become that guy, I think, just to 
he has to not he has to just live with it i think he has to just be like f it i'm rolling with it and i'm gonna try to get this 18 to 20 points and i think vic between vic aziz and jamil they have to be consistent forces on a night in and night out basis and, and listen this basketball team is 11 and 2 with all that adversity we just talked about they are 11 and 2 and if you break down those two you're talking about a good Dayton basketball team a very yeah. well coached team now Xavier is not as good in my eyes as Dayton uh -uh. it's a rivalry game you throw everything out the window. They lost to a rival, and you lose to a very good Dayton team. They're 11-2 through all that adversity, and I agree with you. I think Wes has done a very good job navigating through all this, staying positive, keeping his guys positive. Nobody's putting their heads down. You're 11-2. Yeah. So it's not like we lost, you know, like – what was it last year we lost to nku and, and and no hey listen nku turned out they they played houston very well in the tournament so yeah. but we still shouldn't lose to nku true um, we could have easily lost to an evansville or or somebody else early in the season and we didn't we found ways to win so the Kenyon statement keys of the game was sponsored by greg hood and the beachmont toyota come see fellow bearcat greg hood and the beachmont toyota for all your toyota needs cars trucks and SUVs, Greg Hood and Beachmont Toyota is ready to help you get into your new Toyota. You're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. The Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. This is where we cover hot topics. So, fellas, it is the New Year's, and everybody's screaming, New Year, new me. <laughs> and I was looking at the top five resolutions for 2024 okay i'm gonna tell you what the top five they polled a bunch of people the top five resolutions for 2024 number one is improved fitness number two is improved finances number three is improved mental health now number four and five are combined and i kind of i kind of think it's closely tied in to number one but number four and five are improved diet and weight loss so that leads me to say jt new year's resolution for you what's your new year's resolutions uh new year's resolution that's a good question hmm I don't know, stay in the gym, I guess, consistently, which I've been trying to do on a consistent basis. I don't know if it's a resolution. Well, I don't know, stick with it. Stick with it. I ain't trying to lose no weight. I'm just trying to stay, stay control. I'm trying to stay under control. Okay. Um, so I guess that's one. I always improve financial finances. That's always a resolution as well. Um take more. I don't know. I'm trying to save more though. I feel like last year, I just last two years, I've been just spending a lot. The kids, that's gonna happen though. Damn but, kids, Juju <laughs> wanting all them shoes and stuff, and man, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'm gonna try to save more. So I'm trying to balance saving and then balance spending and more. You know what I mean? Spending and like saving. So I want to make some more trips. 
and want to do a few things too. So that's like you want to take productive as hell, huh? You said you want to take some more trips. Yeah, take some more trips. Where do you want to go? I don't know, man. I want to go some places I've never been, like different what's cities. Number, what's that number one destination? Hmm. U.S. No, can't be San Francisco because they're just going to choke in the playoffs. Uh, Bengals oh. ain't making it. So wow, <laughs> Neil coming out firing. We got, we got the number one seed, baby. <laughs> Y'all, ne- y'all never, y'all never seen that. See Neil, but, why, uh, why did you open that box? Why did you leave him? Just leave him alone with that. But uh, I don't know. I've been to San Fran already. I need to get back out there. But um, I don't know. Maybe like some East Coast places. Like I think I kind of want to catch a game, even though I hate Boston. My wife's a Boston fan, so that's like our thing. So maybe go try to catch a Boston game this year. Um, so that might be one thing. Um, one place I've never been there, so experience that probably before the before summertime. And then let's see, I got two more. I gotta do five. No, no, you never do five. You said all right, man. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm just gonna say, stay in the gym, stay working out. Okay. Um, saving diet. Diet is a part of working out. Like if you working out, you gotta at least control your diet. So I ain't about to do this. Do it as another one. Um, and then balance like spending and then trying to make, make trips and then just um consistently do better. Like another like resolution. I don't know if it's a resolution, but like more of a goal is just like keep growing the website, um, growing the pod. And mm-hmm. then just um since I do mortgages with my nine to five, just keep growing like my visibility on that too. So I like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Neil. Yeah, so for my New Year's resolutions, obviously, for listeners of the podcast, uh, I graduated college in 2022, towards the end of the year in December. So a big thing for me is I am trying to chip off my student loans. That is going to be a big focus for for me, at least. I know it's not going to be feasibly possible in one year, but... Hey, Neil, let me ask you this question, not, and not to get into your, your, your personal situation with, with that, but how long do you think it would take for you to pay off those? Um, If you were to stay consistent. You don't have to tell us the numbers and all that, but a time frame of like, is it a couple years? Yeah, it's definitely a couple year thing. Definitely, probably, if I stayed consistent with it and really limited my spending and was smart with my money probably could get it done within i'd say six years hopefully Mm. Mm. so that would be my goal if i put away a good good port of a check to student loans and just balanced and budgeted better which i think that's that should be a main focus obviously being a young adult balancing your finances and stuff so pay attention in your finance classes if there's any kids listening it's gonna help (laughs) you but overall student loans was a big thing for me uh i should have taken advantage of it earlier but i was being dumb and stupid and decided to wait so yeah it's coming back on me real quick so instead of paying off when there was no interest rate i'm now paying with an interest rate so should have uh should have took advantage of it earlier and you live, and learn. you live and learn. Mm-hmm. You live and learn. Yep, you live and learn on it. So, but yeah, I think that's going to be my big one. Obviously, um, for me personally, I've gotten into coaching. Not many people know that as well. So, just pray for a healthy, healthy season and a good season. And we're going to try and get my program back where I graduated high school back on track. So that's okay. the Highlanders, baby. 
We're going to try and get our volleyball program back on track, back trending in the right direction. So that's going to be a main focus of mine is just trying to help these individuals grow outside of myself and just try and impact others as well. That's going to be a, another big main focus for me this season, uh, this upcoming year. Love it. Love it. Um, the Twyman segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. So, I mean, gosh, you guys touched on some of the things that, uh, that I have as well. So, um, always fitness goals are important to me because um, I remember someone told me a long time ago that um, taking care of yourself is it should be number one on your list. And I looked at him and I was like, wait a minute, taking care of myself should be number one? And he said, yeah, because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I, I, I love that. So I've worked really hard on trying to focus on fitness. Um, I always set fitness goals. Uh, and I tried this last year, but I'm going to really focus on this um, this coming uh, year. And that's to get back to running a six-minute mile. Mm. Yes. Six-minute? Dang. Six-minute mile. So That's possible. So I'll tell you, well, it's a little more difficult than just uh, that's possible. Um, <laughs> hey, you get a six-minute mile. Yeah. I'll never, never run a mile with you. Neil said that's possible. Um, so so let me let me just tell you a quick story. So when I played for the Bearcats, all the guards had to run um, a mile in six minutes. And that was so that was 97 from 1997 all the way until I graduated. So fast forward to now, 20 plus years later, you know, my goal is to get back to running that six minute mile like I did in college. Now, in 2023, I tried it. I The closest I got and I dealt with a little bit of some um, issues with my hamstring, but I got it down to about a 628 minute mile. Oh, dang. And uh, yeah, I was down to 628 and then I started having this hamstring thing and I've got that um, under control now. So I'm going to I'm going to get back to that six minute mile. Um so, uh, and JT, you can you want to run with me? You want to train? Yeah, I'm cool. You're doing six minute miles. I ain't even about to play myself like that. <laughs> I'll run though. I'll I'll get my miles in, but nah, you about to run a six, man. You smoke, man. Nope, I ain't even about to. I ain't even about to play myself like that. But you know, the, I've been, been got in the car and went home. <laughs> <laughs> but here, here's the here's the beauty of the six minute mile though. So in order for me to reach that six minute mile, that means I have to condition myself, you know, better stretching yeah. and the mobility. There's a lot of other things that I need to improve on in order to get to that six minute. So that six minute mile is not just a time. It's also changing some other habits, you know, improving on, you know, like I said, stretching and mobility and all yeah. that stuff. So um, the, the next part is, um, you know, I, I continue to try to eat well. Um, and the majority, I'm going to be this year about 90% plant-based eating. I'm at about last, this past year, I was about 75% plant-based eating. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard when you, it's hard when you're on the move and you're out and there's not many options, you know, um, sometimes some places you go. So, um, but yeah, if I can be at about 90% plant-based, I'll be, I'll be cool with that. Mm. um so we'll see and then um continue to help others i think neil said that as well and um i think you know you do that with your work too jt and um at the end of the day you know my grandmother and i'll leave it on this my my grandmother 
passed away at 104 years old. And prior to her death, I'll never forget this. She was, uh, I think she was uh, 103 when she told me this. And I was over visiting her and I was wearing these really nice Jordans. And she goes, she always loved my shoes. And she goes, man, those are some fancy shoes. She goes, I really like, those are some of my favorites. And I was like, oh, cool. Thanks, grandmother. And she says, but Alex, I want you to remember this. When you eventually pass away, you can't take all those shoes with you. She said, there will not be a U-Haul truck at your funeral. <laughs> you can't take all that stuff with, with you. She says, you know what you see at a funeral? You see people, people that have impacted you and people you impacted. She said, always remember that. And I swear I've lived my life remembering that every day moving forward. And since her passing, just continue to help others and, and, and you know, continue that mission that, that she told me about. So that's it for me. Um, nice. And I, oh, oh, last thing, JT, you, and you made me think about this. I wrote this down while you were talking. I still, I've had this trip planned pre, so before the pandemic hit, I had a trip planned and I was just going to go to random places. I was going to take like two weeks. I was going to fly to like Idaho and go <laughs> Idaho, Montana, you, you know what I'm saying? And like some, some like, like bizarre parts of the country where there's just like not a lot of people. It's, and just kind of like, just chill out. And I've, I've wanted to do it. And I had to cancel that pre-pending. And I just haven't rescheduled it. Um, but I do want to do that. You going to go to Montana with uh, Kanye? No. Wherever he is, I'm going to be completely on the opposite side of where yeah, he is. Kick it with Kanye. Kick it on Kanye's compound. Ain't only got a compound or something. No, he can keep his compound. Wherever his compound is, I want to be on the opposite side of the state. Are you um, going to go to South Dakota or North Dakota? I feel like I'm, ne I don't feel like I'm never going to either one of those states. I do want to go because I want to see um, um, Mount Rushmore. Okay. <clears throat> so I do want to see Mount Rushmore. That's all. I don't know why I'm so fascinated with Mount Rushmore. Hmm. I, I can't figure it out, but I'm just I'm just absolutely fascinated with that. Just how they there's a YouTube video. And I know this will probably bore both of you guys, but but then again, Neil watched the whole Jamil like court case thing yeah you watched the whole case man like <laughs> hours yeah so you i was like just let me know give me the cliff notes <laughs> yeah, like, yeah you're a bad boy for watching all that or listening to that but i there's some youtube videos on how they built mount rushmore my lord it's like it's i don't know why i find that so fascinating so <laughs> i want to go there i just want to get in a car and and drive on that side of the country because you know when you grew up in cincinnati i mean we're in the midwest you know cincinnati's kind of a I consider Cincinnati like a small big city. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. has some big city feel to it, but it's small. It's it's you know you can get around, and I mean Cincinnati's just a dope city. But I mean like Montana and and I just parts of Idaho. It's like what do y'all do? Yeah, that's why we want to know too. For real, <laughs> I feel like you you go there with a cell phone. <laughs> it's gonna be like what this dude this dude he's he's, a, he's an alien they don't think you're an alien you got a cell phone and some jordans instead <laughs> <laughs> of some jordans <laughs> you go here a cell phone some jordans they're gonna be like what what is going on Wait, this guy's from the future, in the future. <laughs> they, don't think, they don't think you marty mcfly <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, listen, I get so I got I gotta tell a quick story. So <laughs> you when I was when I was young in uh I guess it was seventh and eighth grade, I went to a school called Doherty, and it's on Madison Road. And Doherty uh it um it feeds into the Seven Hills High School. Okay. Where I went for one year and then I finished at Roger Bacon. But so I was at Doherty and <clears throat> there was this kid that I went to school with. And man, when I tell you, he was like the Tom Cruise of our school. Like if you wanted to talk to a girl, you had to talk to him first and make sure he wasn't talking to her that <laughs> week. Like I'm telling you, that's how cool this dude was. Like when he walked, it was like, yo, I, I want to be like him. But he was like a real nice guy. He wasn't like arrogant, had on like a leather coat and his hair slicked back. He was he was like a super cool dude. Right. And so had all the girls. So I end up switching schools end up at Roger Bacon. And I still stay in contact with a lot of those people. And even in high school, man, every girl wanted to date this guy. Like he was like the coolest dude in the school. So I end up going playing for UC, living my life. And one day I'm in um, Marymont. There's a there's a restaurant called The Exemplar. And I ran into this guy that I went to school with back in seventh grade. And so we were catching. I had seen him 20 some years. So we're catching up. And I was like, man, whatever happened to Rob, man? Like he had every girl, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, Meech, you are never going to believe what he's doing now. And I was like, man, he's probably some big time investment broker, you know, like living it up. He goes, nope. He said he moved to Montana and he's a cowboy. <laughs> and I was like. You're not serious. He pulled him up on Facebook and I looked at his pictures. I said, there is no way, man. He is so off the grid. He doesn't talk to anybody. He lives in this random thing in Montana and raises horses. That's crazy. It, 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 I, I'm going to do a documentary on him. Like that's crazy. Isn't it crazy? I feel like Idaho, you probably can get lost in like Idaho, Montana, and the Dakotas. For sure. I feel like you can get lost. Like you could just cut off yourself from civilization. Like if you ever on a run, I feel like you'll find me in Idaho. You'd be in Idaho. Well, like I'm, like, I'm in Idaho. Potato, call me Potato Man. <laughs> no, but, uh, if you were wondering, uh, JT just gave away his plans if you ever committed a crime. Yeah, yeah. In Idaho. Yeah, if I ever go down that road, you're gonna have to try to find. But who, who how you gonna find me there? Well, you might be the only black dude in some parts of Idaho. That's true. That's true. So <laughs> I have to feel there. He I is gotta somewhere else. <laughs> I go to Chicago. <laughs> I'll never find you, Atlanta. Find Chicago. I'll play right on in. <laughs> oh man, I love Chicago though. For anybody that listens from Chicago, that's like one of my favorite cities. So, so. Except in the winter. In the Too winter, cold in the winter, man. You keep the winter in Chicago, yeah, bro. Keep, but that's spring, summertime. Ooh, we. Oh, yeah. Chicago is. Summertime okay shot. with me. Hey, I was just in Kansas City, and I'm telling you, I was, so I had that weather app on my phone, <laughs> and I was looking at, you know, it's like 36 degrees in Cincinnati, and it was 36 in Kansas City. I'm telling you, it was a different 36 in Kansas City. I know that wind was kicking when I was up there for Big 12 Media Days. Neil, man, it was so cold. This one day, I was like, this is different. I was like, this is this is different. 
I, I couldn't get my arms around it. And we went to the Chiefs Bengals game. And my friend is like me, like he's like that southern, like like the southern blood. Like he's like always cold. That's how I am. I'm like always cold. And he's like, man, Meech, how are we gonna survive at this game? Like it was like a big discussion we had. Because where the, where the stadium is, too, not many people know it, Meech, since you've been there now. Yes. That stadium's in the worst spot ever. Man. It and is then it's just a, a straight, like, open field area with nothing around it of just nothing but straight wind tunnels, I feel like. Yeah. I, I see that. Like, every time they do, like, the zoom, I'm like, it ain't nothing but parking lot in the stadium. It's literally <laughs> surrounded by parking lots. And Kauffman Stadium isn't even going to be there in the next two years because they're taking that stadium down and moving it. They are. They are. Oh, You're right. Yeah, they're putting it in downtown. So and it's that stadium's going to be out in the middle of nowhere by itself. The so they're taking it down or are they, are, they, are they blowing it up? Are they, are they, like, trying to move it like a mobile home? No, they, they're – they haven't said, I don't think they've said what they were doing yet, but I assume they'll probably. What do you think, Neil? They'll probably tear it down and just rebuild the whole. Yeah, I would say tear it down and rebuild it. Oh, okay. I know they're trying to go so. closer to T Mobile Center with it. Or T Mobile. Oh, by the way, I went to the Kansas Wichita State game um, the day before the Chiefs Bengals. And I'm telling you right now, man, that so obviously Xavier and UC's. Um, a big rivalry. I, and I, I think the Xavier UC rivalry is way more intense than Kansas Wichita. It's not even close because Kansas whoops up on Wichita state. So it, it's not even, it doesn't have, but man, there were not, almost like 18,000 people there for that game. That T-Mobile center was packed and that's a beautiful arena too. And that's going to be the home of the big 12 conference championships this year. All the way through 2031 as well. So I, I think it's a cool little – it's a cool – I shouldn't say little because it's a big arena. It's like a massive NBA. arena. It is really, really, really nice. I, I I thought Kansas City – two things with Kansas City. I thought it was a lot like Cincinnati in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I had that feel. And the people there, much like Cincinnati, were so nice. People were generous as can be when oh you were out there. I'm like – we went to – we went to this like um, I can't remember. It was like a wings type of spot, and then we went to a pizza spot. Like we were going to all these little little different places, and every waitress and manager, everybody was just like so nice. I'm like, what is like? It was so Cincinnati. I'm like, this reminds me of Cincinnati a lot. Did you, so. did you try the barbecue out there, Meach? So you know, I don't eat, I don't eat pork and and red meat and all that stuff. So I did not. Um, you know, so I didn't. I had to try Joe's when I was out there, and it was, it was gas. Was it fire? It was. It was. It gave me like a old school diner in a gas station parking lot vibes because that's literally what it was. But, oh, man, that was some of the best food I have ever ate. I had to go back three different times. And wow. those are sometimes the best spots, though. You catch some yeah. of those spots that are like hole in the walls, and you're like, man, man it was. Whew. It's a dangerous game. <laughs> yeah. We just but, went like a random rabbit hole of like cities. <laughs> yeah, sure. Kansas City right there outside of T-Mobile Arena. I know what you're talking about, how it gave you that Cincinnati feel because you go right across the street and you're in the power and light district, which is basically essentially similar to the banks kind of yes, thing. Yes, yes, agree. So agree. it gave you that kind of vibes because you go out there and they have, they have the bar, right? They have – 
uh, Kansas City Live right across the street. Yep. And yep. Then they have Johnny's, the Power and Light District. I I, I had a great time. I'm going back. Yeah, I had a blast while I was out there. Hmm. I'm going back next year. I'm going to go to the Bengals Chiefs Have game. you checked out the uh, College Hoops Hall of Fame yet, too? That's directly you, next to the – I'm glad you said that. So, <laughs> yeah, man, we ran out of time. So we went we went to the Kansas-Wichita game. After that game was over, we had to meet some people to go to dinner. And then next day was the Bengals game. And the next day we were on a plane. So, so um, you haven't got to check it. See, when I, I went out there, it was closed. I took a whole day. I was like, I'm going to go check out the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. No, I get there. I literally walked there from my Airbnb, and it was closed. I was like, uh, are, are you serious right now? Like, I planned the whole day around that. It's on my list. I'm going. So I'm, closed on Tuesdays, in case you were wondering. Really? Yeah, it was middle of the week. They were closed. Man. They're only open, I think, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Dang. Gotcha. I learned the hard way. Yeah, well, I, I I enjoyed enjoyed my time there, but hey, um, I, I'm definitely gonna go to Montana. I'm definitely going to <laughs> Idaho, South Dakota, North Dakota. All right, JT, I'm gonna let, right. you, let you know how it goes. Yeah, let me know, man. I got. I don't know. About, I don't know. I don't got too much in, intrigue to go there, but if you find some cool stuff there, man. Let me know. But you know what? And I'll leave it on this. My goal is not to find. Like, like cool stuff. Like uh, my, my goal is just to kind of go and relax and just get away from the regular world and just kind of enjoy like, no, that's tight. You know what I mean? Just kind of a pilgrimage just to kind of chill out, recharge the batteries and stuff. You got to hit Arizona. Uh, I've been, I've been the, my cousins live in um, Phoenix. So you got to go to Sedona. I've never been there. You got to go to Sedona. It was real, it's real, uh, Peaceful. If you do some hiking and stuff, I love hiking. It's so like a little bit of stuff to do, not like okay. nothing like crazy, but like you know eateries and place to eat and stuff like that. But it ain't really much. I mean, I didn't see anything to do, but it was just like real chills, mass mountains, stuff like that. I see the that. You know, sunrise on the mountain. That was pretty dope. I love. And then it. we climbed a lot of mountains, and it's like some easy mountains and some hard. Like you could feel the temperature change when you get higher. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put that on my list. Mess with Sedona though, because it's only about like it's like an hour and a half from Phoenix. I want to say maybe two. Okay. You, I just we we went in the Phoenix and then. <laughs> I used to go to um, Tucson all the time when my buddy was um, one of my. So do you remember Dan Peters? That was assistant coach for the Bearcats. Um, nope. So Dan Peters was assistant coach with Hugs. Dan Peters' son and I became really good friends. So Dan Peter's son is Danny Joe, and Danny Joe, he walked on at Ohio State, and then he coached at uh, Arizona for years. So I used to go out and visit him at Arizona every year. I go to a game every year. So I was in Tucson, um, you know, a bunch in, in Phoenix for however many years he was he was there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, like, I liked it out there. I love hiking, man. I love going. Yeah, I check that out. Check it out. It's, it's legit, and I need to. I want to go to Phoenix too. I'm gonna to check Phoenix and Tucson out too. So, but um, we need to start like, travel. We need to start a travel down. podcast. Travel for real. Travel podcast. You do you want, that. You want to do that? Yeah, it won't be as frequent, but <laughs> oh yeah, you <laughs> once a month. I yep. won't disappear. No, nah, Neil would. Neil would. We'd be like, where's where's where Neil go? We have to put you on a milk carton, like missing. 
Yeah, yep. disappear this this new year. I know. Yeah, I made it this new year. Yeah, we got to get a, like a little count going of how many years you're like not missing. <laughs> I'm around somewhere. You were around. I'll never forget that text. Neil. <laughs> Like what? <laughs> I'm like, we got a podcast to do on Saturday. That motherfucker better show up. <laughs> you better, yeah. better find his ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the timing segment is sponsored by Visionary Cleaners. Visionary Cleaners is a locally owned company by former Bearcat student athletes. They specialize in high quality commercial cleaning of businesses, apartment, and pre and post construction cleans. They can be reached at 513-388-7816 or contact on the web at visionarycleaners.com. Fellas, this concludes another great podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors, Donahue Accounting Services, Smart Dog Solutions, Greg Hooden at Beachmont Toyota, and Visionary Cleaners. We want to remind all Bearcat fans out there to visit Meals Pizzeria 2634 Short Vine before and after all Bearcat football and basketball games. Get there early because the place is packed on Bearcat Game Days. Thanks to Kelly and Richard Meals for the support of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. We will be live from Meals on January 31st from 545 to 645 before the West Virginia away game doing a live podcast. And you're listening to the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast presented by Donahue Accounting Services. For friendly expert tax advice whenever you need it, come to Donahue Accounting Services, the leading accounting firm in Cincinnati, Ohio. Our top-notch accountants strive to help you resolve all your financial and tax issues. Call Donahue Accounting Services today for a free consultation at 513-528-3982 or visit online, donahueaccountingservice.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Tip-Off Talk podcast. Go Bearcats!